go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this March the 16th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Well, actually, it's March the 15th. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. It's a Wednesday, and we're going to be taking a look at Proverbs chapter 19 and following. So here we go. Pastor, or Proverbs 19, written by Solomon, this particular section, beginning with verse 7, is Avoiding Fools and Foolishness, Part 2. The first verse is very interesting. All a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with words, but does not have them. Now, what we find interesting in this, there are 374 proverbs between chapter 10 and verse 1 and chapter 22 and verse 16. 374 proverbs. All of them are two lines long, except for this one. This has a third line. And theologians are somewhat confused as to why there's a third line here. Most of them think uh, the verse was corrupted by a copyist. In other words, when they were copying from uh, another version, they ended up putting another line in there. But we don't really know what the reason is, why there are three lines instead of two. But let's look at each one. All a poor man's brothers hate him. Now, poor man's brothers really refers to the entire family. And this was definitely something that a poor man was hated a lot of times because they were lazy and did not really make much money. For example, you've got the parable Jesus talked about the prodigal son. Remember, he received a lot of money from his father's inheritance, but then went ahead and misused it. Well, when he came back, his older brother really hated him because his father was giving him a banquet that the brother had never received. So line two is very important. How much more do his friends go far from him? In other words, how much do his friends keep their distance from someone who is poor? Now, the poor would be, from God's point of view, also someone who is not a believer. It's not that if you don't have wealth that you're not a believer, But in the context of Proverbs, a poor man is normally talking about an unbeliever, as was the prodigal son. Remember, he decided, I'll come back and I'll re-motivate my father. I'll tell him what he wants to hear, even though I don't mean it. But then ask him to give me the highest job on the farm. 
and that way I'll be equal at least to the servants. In fact, that's kind of what this third line says. He pursues them with words, but he does not have them. In other words, they are not near him. And therefore, one needs to be really careful when you're dealing with a poor person that does not have a proper relationship with God. It means they do not have wisdom, wisdom from Jesus Christ in order how to handle their, their life and what they do, what they think, what they say. And therefore, the entire family may not appreciate him. And they will be keeping a distance from him because it's embarrassing. Verse 8 actually follows up with this. Whoever gets sense loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will discover good. So I read that a number of times when I first saw it, and I was confused. What is Solomon saying, whoever gets sense loves his own soul? This is why you need a pastor, because are we not to love ourselves? But when you take a look at the original Hebrew, the sense is the following. Whoever makes up his own mind, he loves himself. This is found throughout the Bible that people decide to make up their own mind and not listen to the wisdom of God, not listen to his understanding. Uh, a verse that one can look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Paul writes, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. What, what he's saying is, remember, the Israelites began to worship other gods. And they would offer food to the idols. They would take food that was given to the idols. They would kiss the idols. They would sacrifice their children to the idols. And these idols were what was made out of metal wood, and all of a sudden they start worshiping it, like the golden calf at Mount Sinai. Well, the knowledge puffs up, Paul says. It makes you think highly of yourself. In other words, verse 8 says, whoever makes up his own mind, he loves himself. And that's what Adam and Eve did. They knew what God's knowledge was, but they decided to go with the devil's knowledge. Because he said, no, you won't die if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You will become like God. And so they made up their own mind, which means they loved themselves more than they loved God. They wanted to be like God. The, the second part of verse 8 of chapter 19 of Proverbs, 
he who keeps understanding will discover good. Now, taking a look at the original language, you can translate it. He who guards understanding will find good. What is understanding? That's a word used in Proverbs to refer to the wisdom of God. When a believer trusts in God, he has understanding. The wisdom of Jesus Christ is in his heart and his mind. When, when did that occur? That occurred when most of us have been baptized. It can also occur when missionaries share with others the good news of Jesus Christ. And they come to an understanding of who God truly is, the Holy Trinity, and the purpose of the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And when you have that understanding, you will find good. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's take the example I've used numerous times. I go to a hospital and a member is about to have surgery, and he or she is quite worried about the surgery. It's, well, critical surgery. Some people have died from it, but most get through it. So when you walk in, they're quite depressed. What do you do? You begin to help them guard the understanding that God has given them. That is the promises from Jesus Christ found throughout the Bible. Remember that first promises of Genesis 3.15 that God will send a seed through Eve who will be the Savior of the world. It did not occur for hundreds and hundreds of years until the Virgin Mary came to become the mother of God. But that was a promise that there were those who were looking forward to it. Unfortunately, a number of the Israelites began to worship other gods as they were particularly in the land of Canaan. They had all this food. They didn't need manna from heaven. In fact, it wasn't falling anymore. And so they started marrying Canaanite women, which God had forbidden. And it wasn't long before many of them were worshiping idols. And that's why they had the Babylonian captivity. But those who were trusting in God, uh, the Babylonian captivity woke a number of them up to what they had been doing. And they asked God for forgiveness, repented of their sins, and many of them were returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the shattered temple. It never was built to the level that Solomon had done, but they began to rebuild it. So he who keeps or guards the understanding of God will find good. We go to a funeral of a loved one, and we're in great grief, but we do not weep as those who have no hope, because we hear the wonderful sermon by the pastor talking about that our loved one has not died, 
their spirit has gone to heaven, and we will again see them. And this is the good that we find even at the funeral of a loved one. Verse 9, a false witness will not go unpunished. He who breathes out lies will perish. Now, this thought is found throughout the book of Proverbs. In fact, in chapter 19, this is verse 9, and it is identical to verse 5. So in the very same chapter, within three verses, you've got the same thing said. A false witness will not go unpunished. He who breathes out lies will perish. Now, the word lies there would mean falsehoods in regard to the understanding that the Holy Spirit gives you. We're we're talking about false prophets. For example, we talked about not long ago that there was some pastor, uh, he's not Lutheran, but he said, I will not get this virus going around because I have faith. And as soon as I heard that, I said, I wonder what he says when his members die from this virus. How can he bury them if he says that when you get the virus, it's because of a lack of faith? Christian pastors are only to bury those who have given evidence of their faith. And therefore, he who breathes out lies can perish, which means the word perish here means to go to hell. A false witness will not go unpunished. Now, a lot of times that punishment may not be connected to their false witness. They may have a serious car accident, come down with a disease. For example, AIDS. There's no doubt that many received AIDS as a punishment for their illicit lifestyle. But there were those who received AIDS because properly they needed a blood transfusion, but it was corrupted with the AIDS virus. And so they came down with AIDS. Now, that was not God giving them a punishment as he was doing with others who were living an illicit lifestyle. In fact, remember, all the disciples were martyred except for John on the island of Patmos. That was not a punishment. That was part and parcel of the persecution promised in the Beatitudes, that that's actually one of the blessings you receive to be persecuted when you speak the word of Jesus Christ. How many parents are going through that right now where they're trying to bring up their children with the knowledge of Jesus, but guess what's happening? Their children are falling away from the church. Many of them because they don't agree with the morality of the church. In fact, that goes back to verse 8. Whoever decides to follow his own mind 
loves himself, not God. In contrast, to those who guard the understanding from God will discover good all throughout their life. Because that's a promise. Nothing but good happens to those who love God. It's not that we don't have suffering or injury or bad things happen in our life from a human point of view. But God is careful to make sure that they work out to our good. We can only imagine how many times God has kept the devil from trying to hurt us or tempt us because God knew we did not have the strength to overcome it. And even with the temptation, when it does come, he provides a way of escape. Verse 10, it is not fitting for a fool to live in luxury, much less for a slave to rule over princes. Now, this is helpful because the first line is probably not understood when you read it in the English. It's not fitting for a fool to live in luxury. But the second line gives another example of what God is talking about. Much less is it not fitting for a slave to rule over princes. Now, the word slave can also mean servant. So let's say you hire a servant to cook your meals. And you tell the servant that on Wednesday night, you've got friends coming over who really like Chinese food. And that's what he or she is to cook. But then the servant says, no, uh, I'm going to cook a roast instead. That's what I prefer to do. You see, that is a servant ruling over leadership. In other words, what God is saying in this verse is that he has set up proper authorities in each area of life. And therefore, that authority means that an individual needs to listen to the authority over them. Recently in a Bible class, I said, in a marriage, who has the authority over a wife? And nobody would give an answer. Some of the wives had strange faces when I asked that question because they were sitting with their husbands. And they all imagined that the answer would be the one who has authority is their husband. But I had said something, and one of the women in the class suddenly just spoke out, Jesus. And I looked at her and I said, why'd you say Jesus? And she says, well, I'm not really sure, but you often tell us that any time you ask a question, say the word Jesus, and it's usually the right answer. And I said, that's correct. The authority over a wife is always Jesus. 
Now, it comes through the husband. Let's say they have a baby. Well, he has the authority to see that the family worships properly and raises their children according to God's love and mercy. And therefore, he would want the child to be baptized. The wife obeys the husband because she's really obeying God. If the husband ever tells the wife to do something that is a sin, the wife should disobey her husband because he is no longer speaking as the authority of God. I would say in our marriage, 90% of the decisions that are made have nothing to do with the Bible. Like what food should be bought at a store. My wife is very interested in how much salt does it have? How much sugar does it have? She's trying to keep me healthy. So I can't say, you better make me this. Even though I may love it, she at times will do what God has informed her to do. Similarly, you've got all kinds of decisions in the household. What kind of shingles should be put on the roof when there is damage? What kind of paint should be used to paint the rooms? There's nothing in the Bible to tell a husband what to say. And so you come to an arranged agreement. And remember, because the wife has the authority of Jesus, how is the husband to treat the wife as Jesus treated the church to the point that he's willing to die for her? And so a proper Christian husband will often allow her to make decisions that she wants to make that are not part of a biblical passage. So that's why it's not fitting for a fool to live in luxury in the same way for a servant to give rules to his authority. To live in luxury means that the fool will have self-absorbed arrogance. In fact, the word fool in Proverbs is always used to refer to an unbeliever. And so letting them live in luxury can allow them to be arrogant. Very, very important. Verse 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Now, taking a look at the original, one can say this, good sense is really the sense that one receives from the Holy Spirit. And it makes one slow to anger, which means you don't lose your temper instantaneously. You may come to a time of proper anger, but this means that there's time between what happens and proper anger. Jesus was often angry with his disciples. Sometimes it was instantaneous, 
as with Peter, saying to Jesus, we'll protect you from being crucified. No, get thee behind me, Satan. Other times, Jesus was more in time in teaching the disciples what they needed to know. For example, when they were on the boat and Jesus stilled the storm, stopped the waves, and they said, what kind of man is this? There's no answer by Jesus at that time because he was teaching them what it really meant to be the son of God, the son of the ancient of days as found in Daniel, sent to the world to redeem the world. And so when you are slow to anger, it says it is his glory to overlook an offense. The word overlook is actually the word for Passover. When Jesus passed over the doors of the Israelites that were sprinkled with the blood of the lamb, he overlooked their offense. In other words, he forgave their sins. And therefore, it was to their glory, to their credit, that such an offense was overlooked. And that is to your credit. When someone does sin against you, you're slow to anger, and you overlook their offense. Verse 12, the last verse in this section. A king's wrath is like the growling of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. That shows that the authority of a king, when he is opposed to you, can be like the growling of a lion. But his favor towards those who obey is like dew on the grass. And that word dew is used throughout the Bible, including Isaiah 26 and Psalm 110 to refer to the resurrection. I'm Tom Baker. Join us tomorrow on Law and Gospel. Listen to Law God and Gospel bless you. Morning at 930 on For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.